This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello, and welcome to Theology Gaming Something or Other Sessions, maybe some kind of discussion about something. With me today is Justin Fox. How you doing? <laughs> How goes game development? Oh, well, that's just a story within itself, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Justin Fox is the developer of a game called Release, and it is supposed to be a Christian game in some way, shape, or another. Just in case you didn't know, because we've promoted it on this show like a billion times. All right. <laughs> and here it is once again. But the That's reason why... I've heard so far. <laughs> but the reason like, why... It's, it's could be Christian, whatever. I don't know. Whatever. What? I say it could be Christian, whatever. You know. I yeah, maybe. Know. <laughs> could be. We're not sure. Yeah. It hasn't been released yet, so... We'll tell you when it's released. <laughs> All right, and our subject today is encouragement. Encouragement is nice, but when you don't get it, it's not nice. So, Justin, what is not nice about not getting encouragement? <laughs> I just phrased uh, that in the most awkward way possible. Yeah, yeah, you you've done a very very fine job of that. Um. <laughs> I guess the not nice part about not being encouraged is that it kind of feels like you're in this void where there's nothing that is a reality. It's like you're on this other planet and you're all alone and everyone around you is on this other planet where it's heavily populated. So there's a strong sense of loneliness and even though you are have the ability to be present and that's the part that, ma- that makes it not nice is that you make someone feel alone even though you are there and you can choose to be with that person you just don't do it and the christian video gaming community as i would call it air quotes right now <laughs> we are a strange group of people i think you would agree with that yeah, especially the younger folk. <laughs> especially the younger folk, yes. <laughs> but video games and Christianity are not often a mixture you see very often. So when you talk about video games or you say, video games are my hobby, you get the look of, like, you might be a little bit crazy. <laughs> You're so immature. Those are for children. Because clearly, when you play L.A. Noir, that's clearly for children, and so is GTA Five. Those are clearly for children. Uh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if a game dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder is a, a game for children. <laughs> Although you're welcome to try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of not a good, uh, not a good argument. I'm not saying that those games are. Um, mature in that they actually involve cognitive thought, but they're definitely not for children either. <laughs> so, so they're for yeah. certain kinds of children. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not my children. <laughs> not my children. My children are gonna be all doctors. It's like okay, you have fun with that. <laughs> As they grow to hate you. <laughs> so the problem of encouragement is that you have Christians who either grew up with video games or into video games or are developing video games 
on one hand, and on the other hand, you have, at least in America, a Christianity that does not see any sort of value in video game experiences. So, do you think this is a generational gap thing? Or is it that we're just going to have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, so to speak? I think it's maybe a combination of both of them. I think that, I mean, it's just like any generation does the same type of stuff. So, you know, the parents of the baby boomers, for example, you know, they start listening to to rock music and everything. It's like, what is this? This is clearly the devil, you know? And uh, like every generation has like its devil, its devilment. Like you know, first it was you know comic books, and then after that it was rock and roll, and then after that it was you know it's just kind of going on and on. Like every generation has like its like thing that's going to end the world or or whatever. And so so you know it's kind of difficult for one generation to really get it unless they're really thinking about it. And that's I, I think that you know. Because of things like position in the um, uh, and respect of a person's position back in the day, it's like like for example, like your pastor said something, you know, the pastor was for the most part a pretty honorable dude or dude or whatever, yeah. Um, at least for the most part, but then a couple of things started happening and people started going crazy, and then there's that rebellion against authority and everything, and I I can understand why because people were acting like idiots who were in authority, so therefore don't trust anyone over 30. So then you have this kind of attitude of, now I'm going to be not trusting anything or anybody, but back in the day, I think that you had a certain thing of where you can trust people um, and what they say, and therefore it wasn't a whole lot of cognitive thought, I think. This is kind of like, oh, this person's saying this, so it must be true. You know what I'm saying? So not so much in challenging authority anymore. Yeah, yeah. So now it's kind of like... You know, if someone is actually thinking, I think that they can think past and say that, oh, well, my generation, it was rock and roll. And this generation is, is like, um, it's uh, it's uh, video games. I may not understand it, but I understand the fact that this is something that our parents and I approve or understand, but I'm going to support it anyway. If that's what they love doing. Then there are people who just want to just rebel against, you know, um, and then say that, you know, no, turn off your brain and don't think about this. It's wrong. And that's all that is going to be. It is wrong. So I, th- I think you've had people like that throughout each generation. So <laughs> nostalgia is a powerful force. So even though it is like I like video games, and my parents didn't, let's say, in their prime because they didn't really exist in the same way they do now. Yeah, like a multi-billion-dollar industry. They yeah. had different hobbies and interests, but if they could just kind of compare and look and contrast, they would find out that it's basically the exact same thing. Right, it's still right. a hobby. It has different problems and stuff, but it's right, still something right. people do. Right, right. It's still it's still a hobby, but with different properties. And you just need to understand that that's essentially all that it's going to be. This is different hobby, different um, properties. That's it. So, what do you think about churches that host video game nights or that sort of thing? Especially because. <laughs> I can think of a way in which people could say video games are destructive to some people. So, in like mm-hmm. a, a church context, right? You're going to have a bunch of people. Some of them are just like mm-hmm. video games and will play them normally. But then other people have addictive personalities, which makes it a really difficult thing to have them also included in a church group activity. So, mm-hmm. 
where do you find that balance in encouraging people to play video games, but also not encouraging sinful behavior at the same time? <laughs> well, um, I guess two things is that I think that anything, most things are neutral. You know, like you have a table. You can use that table to either serve somebody that you love and care about, you know, or you can use that table to, like, I don't know, axe murder somebody on the table or whatever, you know, something horrible like that. <laughs> so, or use that table for, for satanic worship or something like that, you know. So, uh, within the games and what they can do is kind of like, you know, you can use it as a as a tool to, you know, you know talk about, you know, what does this mean? Uh, um, in terms of what scripture says, or, or even just like having someone, just inviting someone over, this is for a reason to come to come together. Just having someone be around, you know, um, who who may not know the Lord, to be around people who do know the Lord, and just kind of sit around, play some games, and then maybe that conversation op- opens itself up. Or because as long as no one's holding back the gospel, you know, the conversation will come up eventually. Anyway, so um, I, I think it's great when churches encourage that. You know, I think it. I think that, you know, you just have to put it in its proper context about why you're doing that game or, you know, whatever. And then after that, that's fine. So um, I still think that games are inherently evil. And most people who say that are watching TV, which is also another waste of time. So if you want to judge video games then also judge TV, if it's a waste of time, it's a waste of time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, wasting time by not holding a controller in your hand, even though you're looking at a screen just because you don't have a controller in your hand does not mean that this is somehow more noble than, you know, holding a controller in your hand and wasting time. <laughs> yeah, it might be fun to binge X show of choice on Netflix, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, depends exactly. Depends on what it's adding to your life rather than subtracting time. Right, right exactly. And I think it also too, just kind of depends on the personality also. So if you have an addicted personality, because that is something that I think is a legit thing. Like, people can have addicted personalities. So I, 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 I get that. Um, and you don't want to just tempt someone into something like that. Like, I never did get into um, Guild Wars because, or World of Warcraft because I know I have kind of a addictive personality. So I know that if I actually, you know, start playing those games, I would lose my life. So I decided to stay away from that stuff. It's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I, lo- I love grinding. I love I love all those things that you know are in are are that are in um, MMOs and I know that my life be over I started I would flunk out of school and everything else so and you know, I, just, I would like to play it with you <laughs> I don't think it's a good <laughs> idea for me to recommend it right 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 and that just goes back to you know it depends on the person now in terms of let's say Christian communities talking about video games <laughs> would you put down some ground rules for it or would you say that so obviously there's this new rising of Christians who are in video game culture that want to change it like Game Church, Theology Gaming yourself making the game uh, Michael Uzdavanis in Save Games, etc, etc, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've been, we've been finding people over the past like two or three years that are really kind of jumping things up so to speak so video games mm-hmm. and Christianity and I'm sure this has happened before with other stuff you know, with contemporary Christian music, whenever that or first arose and that sort of thing uh-huh. So do you think there's some ground rules when it comes to or that the church should deal with these ministries in particular ways? And if that's not specific enough, I could probably come up with some more specific examples. K 
can you can you give some specific examples? <laughs> okay, so like I don't think any of these ministries are officially supported by a church body necessarily. Yes. Like they're all separate. Because I'm mm. going to assume that there's a reluctance in the church to really mess around with video games in any way, shape, or form. At least the modern Christian church of America. Uh-huh. I'm not sure where that reticence comes from. Could be leadership. Could be anything. But in terms of there's being a connection between the church and these ministries, there's not. And I'm not sure whether that's because we want to be independent from those resources or that we just want to do our own thing without being shackled by, let's say, preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. There's a problem there. I'm not sure if it's a problem or it's just that we've chosen a particular path because we don't want to be restricted by people's preconceived notions of what exactly is happening here. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, Yeah, I think, well, when I was making my game, I didn't want, in denominations in general, there's a lot of politics that goes into it. So, like, if I were going to say that, hey, this game's going to be released under, you know, United Methodist Church, <laughs> you know, there may be certain doctors I need to include in there. It's, it's almost like having an investor, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if your investor is is this church body or whatever, you know, there are specific things because they're funding it that they want in that game. So I think this kind of goes back into wanting creative control. Um, and I also think that... Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing, uh, more than anything else, is that, um, and I think the natural problem in, in between um, the way that people, for example, who have a group of games, love games, perceive uh, church and um, wanting to be "quote unquote" free from it, versus how, versus more ways to embrace it. I, I think that that's been a problem because I mean I've been, I've been struggling with my um. With my home church, I mean, I love them and everything, but at the same time, it's just you know, there's just going to church. I mean, some people have you know have some some good ministries over there, you know, but at the same time, my church is filled with um, elder people, you know. Hmm. So me coming to them with a game idea or whatever, you know, is like, oh, okay, let's make um the game where we're throwing. Where's Noah's Ark? And you're throwing sheep in the ark, and then that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like. There's a, this is a disconnect between you know because I think the lot churches are older anyway. This is there's a huge disconnect between you know these older churches and these old congregations and everything, and the way that just young people think and are been reading the Bible and saying that hey, I've been kind of raised to believe that this is somehow wrong, and then when I actually read the Bible for myself, I'm seeing that it's not, and it can be an act of worship also, and that's just creating for God. So these two things really don't go hand in hand. Uh, talk more about worship. So do you think like the things that Christian video game ministries are doing, would you consider those acts of worship, like writing, making video games, criticism, um, all that stuff? Because uh, um, I would say most, I would say most Christians have a very narrow view of what worship might be, and I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing to say that, but. Mm-hmm. I think we need to define what worship is a little more specifically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way I've defined it, and this may not be a complete thought, you know, but the way I've been defining it is that anything that you do for God that he doesn't need is worship. Which can kind of go out, you know, in a, in a, in a very broad sense, you know, 
Um, but I speak to you know people who are wanting to do and discern the new man that wants to do and discern um, uh, the will of God in their lives. You know, so that natural person, that new man is wanting to, or woman, that new man or woman is wanting to be pleasing to God. So if like if God doesn't need it, like God needs this thing, then therefore it's worship, and God doesn't need. Well, anything. That's where sovereignty comes into. So most of the things that you do are going to be considered to be worship because you're doing it for God, even though he doesn't need it. That's kind of the way I've kind of wrestled with it in my own mind, which is where I get really get that scripture of um, even eat, you know, um, um, as an act of worship to the Lord. You know, th- things things like that. I'm like, how do you do that? Like, well, he doesn't need it. You do. So he, that's worship now. <laughs> huh. Okay. You know, that makes sense. Okay, cool. <laughs> but I, you know, but worship mostly for most churches is hymns, right? Or it's yes. singing in church or, you know, add a guitar or drums here. But I mean, right. it's That's got a pretty standard definition for most people. Right, right, right. Because if, if you're the worship leader in your in your church, then you're in charge of music. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're the worship pastor or whatever they call you. <laughs> right. Right, you're making a joyful sound to the Lord. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty- sound is the only way it could possibly be done. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know. I just have fun there. <laughs> no, but I understand because music is accessible to everybody. There's not many yeah. barriers to entry when it comes to music, other than the fact you might have a bad singing voice. <laughs> but I think everybody can communally participate in that. Whereas video games, or let's say anything outside of that is more suspect at least in our cultural context yeah yeah but i really like i said i really think it's more of a generational thing i think that um i mean just just as uh statistically i mean churches are dying i mean they're dying because because of there's so much to do there's so many ways of worship now and because you know people our age are 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 have all this ability and skill and they want to worship and the church is, is, is just it, the only thing that they're even seeing or even recognizing or even trying to recognize is making music, you know, then it just leaves, it leaves us out of the equation, you know? Huh. It, it, it totally does. It's, it's, I've kind of said like this, it's like, like, for example, the um, quote unquote, quote, black church or the blurch. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to call it the blurch, even though I really want to. The but, blurch. you know. <laughs> Such a good name. <laughs> but the uh but the black church um right now in media uh we're caricatures we're we're things to mock even by you know uh people who are only ethnicity so like you've seen a Tyler Perry movie or you see you know things like um this whatever you know uh, you what you call black movies. is that what you mean yeah, like stuff like that, you know, like, you know, we like a lot of preachers have like a, a jerry curl in their hair and then going, but God, they told me if you want the Cadillac, you can get the Cadillac. All you got to do is have faith. I said, can you have faith? So it's, 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 it's this routine and this style that worked, you know, a couple of generations ago, but now because it's been so satirized and so, you know, such a comedic thing that is not effective anymore. And I think that that's happened. That's an example of that happening. So therefore, you know, uh, younger black uh, black uh, kids 
they look at church as almost like a joke because that's that's where the jokes come from. They come from the from from the black church specifically. So therefore, you know, that's that. So there's been a real disconnect between uh, what the church, the church institutions wanting to bend and wanting to, you know, really reevaluate um, what is God's will because. If it's only in this one box or this one avenue, then you know God's bigger than that. So, is this is this having enough humbling themselves and saying that let's take another look at what we're doing here? But that's not happening. (laughs) So, so are you saying that the I'm just gonna use it the blurch (laughs) the blurch style that existed several generations ago just does not apply to our generation at least i mean you live in the south obviously so Mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. your social context is yeah so does it not appeal to young people at all it really doesn't i mean if you're anywhere past like like the beginning of my generation is probably the most you're gonna be able to get some slack with um but uh, like Generation X, that's kind of the cutoff point, really. After Generation X, that's the that dog does, is is not gonna hunt anymore because what's happening is that um, information, I think, can lead to authenticity. So if you have more information about something or a subject or whatever you know, then you know what to look for in terms of what is authentic and what is not authentic. And because this is the information in age, um, it's easy to spot out um, people who are um, being disingenuous or, you know, certain styles are just styles just to have them rather than, you know, being authentic. People are being authentic and real. Um, and my generation and our, our generation, you know, it's like if, if someone is having a conversation like we're having like right now. Yeah. And then they get up there in the pulpit and then start talking like a like, You know, then it's, Yeah, right, right. It's a completely foreign concept for anyone past, you know, um anyone, you know, past generation X. So it's like you know, it's it's just weird now. You know, and and, and furthermore, pe- people now, because of the information, can actually just sit there and read the actual Bible. Because before it goes back to that what I was talking about before in terms of um People trusting their pastor doesn't really happen so much anymore now. So now it's about about it's about down to um, reading for for yourself, which is a great thing. But then again, you look at what the institutional church is doing, and then you look at what the Bible says we're to be doing, and it's like these two things are not alike. Huh. So that's another disconnect that's there um, that leads to a lot of these problems that that you're having in terms of getting younger people who are energetic and want to make something for God like like you used to back in the day like you make your 16 chapels we want to make something for God but you know it's a foreign concept to a lot of institutions okay you know what I see that there's a generational gap but that generational gap has also led to a mistrust of church authority and I can see that let's say yeah I think well I think it's only in general yeah but like pastors for example People mm-hmm. don't just trust the authority of the pastors. At least in, in my generation, I can I can see that much anyway. There's like a genuine yes. mistrust of the preceding generations because you know church has a long sordid history. I'm sure we could talk about that at some other point. <laughs> yeah, but there's a genuine mistrust, and when you go read through the Bible, <laughs> and because all these resources are so easily accessible, you can 
develop a theological inclinations of your own that your church may not agree with, all those sorts of things, and, you know, freedom of thought, that kind of thing. Maybe that's just our generation, is that we kind of, like, some of us look at stuff a little too (laughs) (laughs) in-depth, and then we discover we don't agree with some people about stuff, and that makes it very complicated. Yeah, yeah, like if you're yeah. you're in a church ministry and you don't agree with every single thing a church says, and then you're kind of like walking on eggshells. <laughs> when you're right. into a discussion about God and Jesus and whatnot. Right, right, right. And I, and I think, yeah, and I, and that is one of those type of things where that's a that's something from, the I think, the 60s that's been passed down. Is that, you know, don't trust anyone over 30. So once, <laughs> you know, once the authority began to, began to become abused... And, you know, basically our parents' generation, you know, basically they started to, um, or at least my mom, they started to see past that. Then it became an institutionalized thing, like, you know, um, to, to mistrust uh, authority. And you're seeing a lot of that. So, um, and then, yeah, and you're right, too, in terms of, you know, the, the gaining the information in terms of developing your own theology, your own views about church or your own, you know, because you have this long because, you know, it's kind of like you want to focus on the bad things about the church history and things like that, you know. So it's like, well, OK, now this gives me a right to um, distrust my pastor, even though my pastor does not represent that. You know, I'm going to trust him anyway because I read online X, Y and Z, you know. But I think a lot of that is just, you know, people's rebellion kicking in. And um, there and Paul Washer said this is one of my favorite pastors like ever. Um, but he was saying that. Young people need to get out of trying to be scholars and save that to when you are broken, beat up after going out to witness all over the world about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like you save that to when you're in your 50s or your 60s or whatever, you know, to become a scholar because then you've lived it, then you've walked it, now you pay your dues. Now you have the privilege of just being a scholar because you've been on the battlefield then. You're a veteran. And then you go out and teach the young people, the next generation people, and then the cycle repeats itself. So I think it's probably the best way to really look at it in terms of, you know, a lot of young people wanting to, you know, become these super scholars and everything, you know. No, get on the battlefield. Let's go. Let's go. You know, like you're young, you know, you, you can run. You can go to a, to a, to a mission trip and and get shot at a couple of times, you know what I'm saying? And bounce back, you know, what's up? I got shot nine times, I'm good now. You know, so so that's that's our prime to be doing that kind of work, I think. So Although yeah. I would say that let's say pastors have kind of earned mistrust because of the well, maybe this is just from my personal experience, but I've been to a mm. lot of churches and then we end up with the pastor with some kind of horrible indiscretion that kind of just eliminates any authority he could have had over right. the congregation, which has right. kind of earned them a bad reputation for not being someone you can trust. Yes, yes. I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Uh, I had at least one church where it was like um, underage, you know, adultery. Wow. And then another one with straight adultery, and you know what I mean? This should mm-hmm. not be happening. And if you right. read some of these statistics, this is like 50% of all pastors look at pornography or something. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, this is definitely not helpful <laughs> <laughs> in, in terms of establishing authority or making the church attractive to young people or for making it a church able to connect with the culture at large. 
if we can't mm-hmm. demonstrate ourselves to be even worth looking at. Right, right. And We're just and, like and, them, and then that's a problem. Right, right, right. And this is where I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, in terms of any new churches, you know, that I've been saying that, and this sounds harsh, but I don't care. It's time um, for criticism. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, like, if if it's only going to be like this, if it's only going to be like this to where you got people coming in to where people are not going to, to um to practice church discipline saying that okay if you have a problem with somebody you come to them and what did Paul talking about you come to them then that they still have a problem with you you come to them with someone else they need to still have a problem you come with three people three people they need to still have a problem you come to the entire church and then to that you gotta give them the boot and the reason why is that because you're being mean or whatever you know is because they're going to continue to spread discourse throughout your entire congregation and mess other people up and because there is no church discipline and things like that it's been rampant and, and you know, there's a lot of temptation. There's no accountability. It's kind of like, well, because I'm in church, that means that um, it's all good. I can go and sin and do whatever I want to do. And God's going to forgive me. But they get lumped in with people who truly do know Christ versus somebody who's just, you know, going to church. And so people like, okay, the people who really believe in Christ, they're just fanatics. Right, so the people who who actually are knowing who God is just look like fanatics. The people who don't know who He is and are just going through church and just participating in that, um, they look normal now because there's no discipline practice. So if it's infected that much in terms of all these congregations, then the whole thing just needs to die. I mean, really? Because because I mean, God's saying this is that you know, uh, yeah, no, no, not God, but. Uh, Rabbi Gamaliel was saying, you know, if it's of God, it's going to thrive anyway. If it's not of God, it's going to die. So when I hear about churches dying, then to me, that's a dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. <laughs> so I, I'm just <laughs> so, when's the last time you heard of a church that excommunicated someone? Um, I heard of that not a couple of years ago, I heard of um, what's that place called? Tim Conway, I think, is the pastor of that church. Um, oh gosh, I have a weird thing called I'llBeHonest.com. But there's a guy um, who um, essentially got excommunicated, and then because of that excommunication, he had to take a real hard look at himself. And then he came to Christ. <laughs> so so uh, I remember hearing, I remember seeing that story, and I was like, "That's crazy." Um, I think John Piper's church, he will excommunicate you too. So there's only a few that actually do it, like a few that actually do it. But you know, you're right; it's very, very, very slim pickings. But that's that narrow way, and God, and you know, that's that narrow way. So yeah. and excommunication, well, at least from my experience. It takes a lot for that to happen. I mean, there's several right. steps. You have to visit. You have to find out what they're doing and chastise them for it. Then they have to send two or three brothers or sisters to come over and discuss it with them. Then they have to have a pastoral meeting. I mean, a lot of churches have like a huge amount of steps, right? From disobedience to right. disobedience to basically being kicked out of the church. But it's not as if you weren't right. asking right. for it when you start. Right. Right, and so that's where that's where I think the 
Satan has infiltrated a lot is that, that Christians always need to say yes. And that's not biblical or that's not even – that doesn't even make sense. Are we I mean, are you, are you telling me that? <laughs> right, right, right. It's like love is yes and no. Jesus said yes and no for specific reasons throughout his ministry. He did not heal everyone because – and he told people no. And the reason why he told people no is because I want you to get confused that I'm here to preserve your life here on earth. I'm here to make sure that you understand that I am who I say that I am. And that also I'm here to save your soul, which is going to last forever. So when I say no, that's the most loving no that you could have given. So we need to be looking at it the same way that saying no could be something very loving. Are you telling me that if a little boy or a little girl wants to put their um, their hand on a hot stove because they think that the red on it is really, really pretty on the coil, that you're going to let them do that? Like, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so that's going to say yes. No. If you don't sell to, tell that kid no, you don't love that child. You love your ego. So that's like an accusation that Satan weighs against the church. And we believe it a whole bunch, like a whole bunch. So anyone who gets kicked out of a church, bro, like, I'm sorry. If you go through the right channels the way that, that Paul is talking about, trust me, you've earned it. Yeah, it takes a <laughs> lot. You have to be really set in your ways. Right, right. Because yeah, right. otherwise, so, it's just I mean, like God gives them over to their temptations, and then they find out it wasn't as right. you know, fun and interesting as they thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, yeah, you know, but if there's no consequence for sin, then it's like, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like you really thinking, exist, man. what are you doing? Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> there's a a lack of, I wouldn't say moral forcefulness or discipline, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that a lot of people are saying the church is bad for doing that nowadays, but. As a contrast to, let's say, culture at large, it would be revealing of what exactly we care about more. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think that that's respectable. Because even when um, when someone comes to me and says that, you know, so you believe that everyone who does not believe in Jesus Christ is going to hell. I'd be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I say it just like that, too. And it throws them off so much. Because they're expecting me to backpedal and to backtrack and everything, you know. And because I don't do that, they actually respect me far more than if I were to backpedal and say, you know, well, you know, I didn't say that. And God always says yes. And he just wants you to be his friend so bad, you know. So, <laughs> so, 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 I don't, <laughs> so when I don't do that, it, people respect that so much more, I've noticed. And eventually, you know, they do end up coming to me about another conversation about that, you know. So, you know, hey, that says something. Or Just the, do it God's way to be There's a definite answer that you give. And not, yeah. well, maybe. <laughs> no, I give definite answers, you know. I always say that another mature, spiritually mature thing to do is to say, I don't know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> or, I'll, or I'll find out later. Hit me up later, and I'll and I'll and I'll tell you. Or I don't know is a good answer. Doesn't mean yeah. there isn't an answer. Right, exactly. You don't know the answer. Right, exactly. So you know when people come to me about these questions about, you know, well how can God do this and how could God do that? Like I give them a practical answer, you know, and they're still debating against it. You know, I'm like, look, if you can think in this context, if you can think outside of time, to where you had no beginning, 
if you can think and look at yourself as in not being created, and if you are in three distinct personalities, yet are the same, yet you draw everything you draw from from yourself because you are the highest thing you can possibly think of, and you are representative of yourself, and therefore you're in this love triangle with yourself. We can understand those those things and think in that way, especially the whole time thing in terms of um uh, of a uh, sovereignty and everything. Then go ahead and criticize God all you want to, but right now you're like an ant trying to understand a human being. You don't know. <laughs> some of these things you just simply don't know. You have some theories and everything, you know, but you can't say that God is bad or or awful or whatever, you know, because you don't understand. I mean, you were saying the same thing when you were three years old. How come my mom will let me cross the street? Well, you don't know about cars. You, you see them, but you don't know what happens to them when, you know, one hits you. So, therefore, your parents are going to say, no, you don't get to do that. Sorry. Deal with it. Why not? I want to cross the street. Let me go. It's my freedom. Shut up. You don't get to go across the street like that. You're going to get hit by a car. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's just kind of where I kind of draw the line at a certain point in time in terms of, uh, um, that kind of questioning and everything, but yeah, give definite answers. <laughs> okay, so let us draw back to video game culture. So, if the church is meant to be an influencing force that is distinct from culture and all that, how do Christians work in the video game space effectively? Because uh... that's a really difficult thing to do if you think about what's in video games. I mm-hmm. mean, in music and stuff, let's say... Outside of the exception of maybe rap and, and hip hop and metal, yeah, <laughs> really black black metal, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the screaming and the growling and whatnot. African American metal. Let's be politically correct here. No, no, <laughs> no. The white devil screams. <laughs> when the okay, so distinguishing from that, a lot of let's say. The common perception of video games now is the AAA game market, and mm-hmm. the AAA game market is very much into, you know, shooting dudes in the head or stabbing them violently or whatever. Versus passively, yeah. Versus <laughs> versus passively hearing some guys say, "I feel really bad about myself." <laughs> so it's a little different, like when you're when you've got a whole culture of people that are going, "Yeah, I can shoot a dude in the head. That's awesome." <laughs> which is a really difficult thing for like a Christian to be in. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm not saying I'm not really want to discuss the whole violence issue because I think we've done that before. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's more how do you be a positive influence in gaming culture in a way that is Christian but doesn't accept their standards? Since we kind of made this division between like what should a Christian be and what should a Christian not be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's really difficult. I think that someone who does it very, very well outside of gaming, but someone who does who balances his ministry and his help that does it very, very well is Dave Ramsey. I think he does an excellent job of this um, because he's always intentional about what he's doing. So he, it's not so much that Dave has a Christian finance guide or whatever. It's the fact that Dave Ramsey is a Christian and he does finance. So the way that he goes about finance is by the Bible. 
and he never hides anything about that. So he's always intentional about it. So he'll have, a, he'll have a scripture of the day. Now, he's not saying that, you know, this is Christian finance. You know, I mean, he's never marketed it that way. He's just saying this is Financial Peace University. That's all he's saying. So his thing is that, hey, I'm a Christian that also knows about finance and I'm going to do it a biblical way. And by stating those things and having that scripture of the day, simply because that is who he is. He wants to have a scripture of the day, so therefore, he does a scripture of the day. You know? Um, and also, what he does is that he's very honest about everything that he does. So he's like, um, I want my Financial Peace University courses to be taught in churches. And he uses that as an evangelism tool. And he's very, very public about that. He's like, I remember one time I was listening to him on the radio, he said that, uh, he goes... He, he, uh, there's a story about how they got debt free and how when they went to Financial Peace University, they got plugged into a church and the guy got saved, you know, and the family is now under Christ and everything, you know, and they're just happy as a clam, however happy that is. And so after hanging up the conversation with – after hanging up on the phone with that conversation, he goes, you see, a lot of you guys think that we're all about finance. He said, that's what it's really about right there. That's what it's really about. So – in the same way, it's about taking those same principles and that same attitude and saying that I am a gamer or I make, I'm make i a game developer that is Christian. Yeah. So I'm going to make a game to where the things that influence me and that I like and that I enjoy and that I enjoy about God or whatever, you know, I'm going to put those things in the game. I'm not going to be worried about how someone's going to perceive it or, or whatever this is who I am. You put who you are into any art project that you have. So Christians need to stop overthinking uh, the way they go about things and just be. Be who you are. Be the new man. Be the new woman. Just be that. Because I promise you, whether or not you are overtly Christian or a little bit Christian or whatever, or you don't even hide anything. Oh, you hide your, your Christianity completely. You hide your lamp. Someone's still gonna find something to complain about about you. That's just the way it is. So if they talk about Jesus, they're gonna talk about you. <laughs> so artistically, it's just about being completely honest and saying, "Here's what I am. Here's what I'm doing. Deal with it." Hmm. That's an interesting perspective. Okay, so I've been thinking this. I'm not sure if this makes any sense, but in any form of entertainment medium or media whatever right uh-huh. there's like broker the, the catalyst for the possibilities inside of the narrative always revolve around sin in some way shape or form mm-hmm. I, I think the reason why is because we're all in the same situation which is that we can relate to each other in that way yes like you know things are bad for everybody in some way shape or form right so yes. the problem is, right, if when a Christian comes over and says, well, bad, violent things are happening in this video game, it's like, well, bad, violent things happen in, like, anything, including daily life. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> right. So it's confusing when they kind of criticize this thing in particular, right? Mm-hmm, Let's right. say a video game with sinful content or even a movie, right? I mean, Christians make movies. Right. And those movies do have like sinful things in them, so it's very strange when the criticism ends up in that place, right? To the point yes. where they're overthinking or listing all the various things like there are two hundred F words in this movie. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, right. Do not right. expect that from somebody that you meet in your lifetime. Uh, um, yeah, it's 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 a weird thing. Um, but I think that goes back into not thinking again. Uh, because the because the Bible, the beauty about the Bible is that it allows you to think. Um, I remember my my one of my buddies or my sensei actually. He told me a story about how when he was um just kind of wondering, you know, uh, when he wanted to become a, a Muslim, for example, or he was thinking about becoming a Muslim, we're just kind of investigating, exploring that, that option. He was like, you know, there, he was like, okay, well, um, I'll go ahead and get a Quran, and then, you know, I'll go ahead and read it, and um, I'll come to study. They're like, no, 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 you don't understand. You can't just read the Quran. You need to sit down with somebody and go over the Quran with you. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, you can't just, you know, do that. Um, and I understand that to a certain degree, you know, but it's kind of like this is what it means. This is what it can only mean. Is that is that kind of is that kind of thing? So it's like, but Christ is like discernment, discern, discerning. To me, is another word for thinking. You know, think about this stuff. So if you're saying that the game is wrong because it has, or the or the content is wrong because it has swearing in it or maybe has a shot of nudity in it or whatever you're not thinking about the bible that you're reading which is could really be considered rated x at this point in time (laughs) you know uh, it's it's horribly graphic sometimes horribly graphic sometimes um i'm gonna give you incest (laughs) yeah including incest like like fraternal rape you know what i'm saying like it's a little yeah creepy people yeah, yeah, and people getting chopped up. Yeah, all kinds of this crazy stuff in there. So I'm like, why would you criticize content being made when the very thing that you're basing your conviction off of is loaded with that? And the reason, and the reason why it's loaded with that is to show that, hey, mankind is in need, that suggestion or want in need of a savior if you have the the hero is usually their worth is tested by the villains so if you have like god being the protagonist in the story you know and all he's doing is you know putting out small fires or whatever you know you're like well what's the need of god what's the big deal but if you have you know the protagonist being God, and then this antagonist that is incredibly powerful, and that we're in link with the with the antagonist and everything, you know, then that makes God look even more incredible. So it goes back to that, to that um, you need to display in your content when you're making Christian media, or whatever. You need to display what humanity's like. Otherwise, there's no need for a savior. You don't need Superman to stop bank robbers. You need Superman to stop Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, and you could say all the things we are, you know, making is kind of demonstration of it, and we we can't really k- take ourselves out of the mind frame of sinful behavior because we're in it. So it kind of has to be in our media to some degree, at least to show in contrast light and darkness. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or did that come out wrong? No, you're right. You're right. There needs to be a you're, contrast, you're... or else there's nothing to be shown, right? Yes. At least in the context that we're in now. I'm yes. not saying that's what the Christian I'm not saying that's what the Christian message is, right? That there's an equal good or equal bad force. 
I'm saying mm. in our media that there has to be kind of a contrast, or else there's, it's hard for people who are not Christians to see the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and this for any content makers, stop making the black people like <laughs> in the hood and, need, and needing help for a savior. Can you please stop doing that? That's really obnoxious and just tacky. <laughs> Justin's pet peeves, number one. It drives me insane. I see that so often. It drives me insane. It's like Webster. Almost like five out of you know, out of ten Christian movies are like Webster. You know, we get these white people, you know, trying to save the the, the poor black ghetto child. You know what I'm saying? Like what? <laughs> yeah, it's a stereotype. It works though. Yeah, and then, and then like whenever someone black is on is on the screen, they'll start playing hip hop music. <laughs> Did you see Flywheel? No, but I have a feeling I shouldn't now. <laughs> bruh, bruh. It's a, it's a good message and everything. The flywheel is a good message, but seriously, they have a jive-talking black dude, and every time he's on the screen, he starts playing hip-hop music. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> so, uh, I just don't... For, for, all you Christ, for all you Christian content people, stop that foolishness. And stop making things that are like ghetto or whatever, you know. Stop having that be... What is sin? Like, like being ghetto is like sin. It's it personified sin. Is this? You know, it's like if 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 Satan was here on Earth right now, he have a do rag on, he had baby pants, and, and he have a gold medallion and gold teeth. Like yeah, he'd, it's he'd be all crunked up. He'd be all crunked up exactly. <laughs> all I can think about is little John being Satan now. Stop. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yeah, man. So, well, that's, that really is another area where I think that church is really struggling with is is just like black white relations. It's like, why are we still behind like this? Like, why is it a problem? It's still a problem in the church. It's like it's like a noticeable problem in the church. It's kind of unbelievable. It's kind of unbelievable. Like, like I'm I'm saw recently where um. John Piper had to address, um, uh, like, he has like these little short sermon things or whatever you know, where someone may ask a question of where you know, it's like, is this still okay to have interracial dating? I'm just kind of like, what? We're still asking the question. What? Wait, we're that serious? Yes, but that's John Piper saying that. And he, and that's John Piper, so that means that he's been b- being bombarded with questions like, you know, what's interracial marriage thing? Is that is that cool? What? <laughs> Yeah, my bruh. brain is literally exploding right now. <laughs> bruh, look, look it up. Look up John Piper talking about this. I, I think I've seen it more than once. I think maybe John MacArthur and John Piper were talking about that. Like that's like it, that's still an issue, and that's really an issue down here in Kentucky. Let's think Kentucky. Dis- <laughs> you know? Five principles for engaging a disapproving family. <laughs> oh my goodness, I hadn't even thought about that. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, once again, this is where there's that disconnect because, like I said, after Generation X, man, people don't understand what they're talking about anymore. Not really. Like, what? Do you, what's the, what's the problem? What's going on? What's the problem? Uh, a lot <laughs> so, of problems. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. The media is very important. That you know, you keep on making black people the cause of your evangelism, then that's not good either. No, it's not gonna work. Yeah. No, it's not gonna work. So, uh, this this Christian content content makers out there, 
be thinking discernment. All right, discernment. Yeah, portray real people in your stuff. Yes, please. That would be wonderful. Possibly people that you met. <laughs> yes, yes. Because evil, I've never seen evil parade around going, I am evil. I've never seen that before. I've never seen anything that obvious. I've never seen. I see in the, in the scripture saying that uh, uh, demons disguise, keyword disguise themselves as angel of light, meaning that they hide the fact that they have malintent. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but if you have baggy uh, jeans, you must have ill intent. I can tell. Right. This is like, what? I know people that. Lecrae has baggy jeans. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> Lecrae sold out. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> They're baggy. You could be <laughs> having a weapon in there. <laughs> Jeez. Drives me crazy. But that was stroke right now. But. <laughs> But um, yeah, I I, I I I think that Christians have a lot to learn in terms of this media in general and what to do with it, you know. So maybe it's just that the older generation is still in charge and they're just not savvy to this stuff. Although and that's I do what think I, that's there's what... progress being made, it's just not in the way we would maybe like to see. <laughs> yeah, I think that what's happening is that even the ones who are not like seventy years old, you know, but the ones who are like you know. Who, who were the baby boomers, 60s, 50s, you know, whatever. Um, they're a little bit more prevy to things, but at the same time, because technology and information is increasing so rapidly that they in their, their personal lives are not wanting and or willing or and or knowing to keep up with that rapid pace of information or choose to ignore it. I'm not sure. Oh, right. I, I think there's a combination of that too. Like, I don't get on Facebook. I'm like, well, maybe you should because then that way you would know what your what your congregation is doing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be you know? So, yeah, yeah. It, it, it might be helpful, you know. So, so brother so-and-so, you know, talking about how I'm all, you know, um, about to get toe up, go to church on Sunday, you know what I'm saying? Then, yeah, you might want to actually, you know, be privy to the fact that your brother or sister is doing that and rebuke them. I, I'm just throwing it out there. My pastor does that. He trolls he trolls Facebook to see what I'm doing or whatever, you know. So I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and video games and would, social media would, are like synonymous with each other now. Yeah. Like all yeah. the news comes from the internet. Yeah, yeah. E3 they, is they, streamed they, through they, streaming sites, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on, I'm sure. Right. Right, right, exactly. So, like print media, is you know, if you're not wa- if you're not wanting to, yeah, yeah, if you're not wanting to keep up, then you're just gonna miss it. This is the bottom line. You're just going to miss it, and and you want to be preaching to people you've been preaching to for the past forty years. Because I literally, because we both literally see that happen all the time. Been preaching to the same people for forty years. Forty years, bruh. You gotta adjust 40. a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Not necessarily in content and message, but maybe in the way that you present. Yeah, yeah. This just some, once again discernment. Think and just also turn- don't be like five to ten years behind whatever's popular, which is kind of what evangelical churches seem to be in. <laughs> that, that goes back to that generational thing, man. I, I really think that the Holy Spirit I, and, and, I, and I'm I'm 
I'm gonna blame it on the spirit. I'm gonna blame it on the spirit, not blame it. But like, I really think that the Holy Spirit is leading our generation um, out of these things because I think He wants His art back. And I think He wants authentic worship. Like, yeah, or like I, unified congregations, because. Hmm. You know what? Um, in terms of, let's say, you know how they have like children's ministry and then they have youth group and they have like, here are the adults. Mm-hmm, They're kind mm-hmm. of separated into these categories. Yeah. Now, maybe that is a useful model for teaching, but maybe it's not a useful model for organizing a church. Because mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. kind of a disconnect between these three. And I guess yes. the children is less of a problem, but the youth group, I mean, that's a pretty big jump between, you know, kids teenagers, adults, that sort of thing. And maybe you're creating a class division without thinking about it. Yeah. Um, uh, once again, Paul Washer, he was saying this, and I completely agree with him, that youth groups, um, kids, uh, sun- kids, Sunday schools, um, vacation Bible schools, he's saying that none of those things should exist. And the reason why you're saying that is because you're saying that you have passed off the ability, the responsibility. Um, the father has passed off the responsibility of raising the kids up in a godly home to the church and delegated that to the church. So where the home now is delegating spiritual things to the church and not to the home. So um, he was saying that men are to be the ones to um, be raising that children, that child up in that way. And that mothers are the ones who are to be enforcing that um, in terms of what is being taught in terms of godliness in, in, in the home. But it's in the home. That's where it is. That's where it has to be. That's where it needs to stay, etc. etc. So... Hmm, that makes you, sense. It does make sense. It does make a lot of sense. And I was like, I'm down with that. Sunday school should not exist. But when you have people who are not taking that responsibility, then that's why you have youth camps and Sunday school, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they're basically unloading their kids onto church, for lack of a better term. Right, right, right. And I've heard like, a lot. Well, it doesn't have to be that, but it can yeah. be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I've heard a lot of, um, um, of uh, a- not a lot of atheists, but some. I've heard some atheists would actually send their kids to Sunday school because most Sunday schools are not good. They're like, hey, Jesus is your buddy. Color buddy Jesus next to the Easter bunny. And uh, and, uh, and then we expect them to take then we expect them to take Jesus seriously, you know, later on in life, you know, it's like it's like it's like, it's like if you put Jesus in the same context of like as like a Ninja Turtle coloring book you know what I'm saying? They're like, what are you teaching them? Or if you or if you tell Je- you tell that Jesus is, you know, like Superman, he's gonna go in there and save you, save the day. He's, he's your friend, he's your buddy, and everything. It's like, well, how come my buddy didn't, you know, save my mom from cancer when I prayed really, really hard? Yeah, you see that message kind of gets messed up. And, but Sunday school teaches that a whole lot. Well, teaches that a whole lot. You know, they're trying to teach different age levels. It just doesn't come through a lot of the time. <laughs> Right, but then again, that's where that's once again, you know, need to teach that in the home, you know, and because if they're going to be asking questions, what happens is that they have a question, and then times up, and then they don't think to ask their parents the question. And that question kind of gets hung up until next week, but by next week, 
they've either forgotten or they got a whole bunch of more questions on top of those questions. <laughs> and the questions, questions, questions. All right, so it keeps on piling up and everything, and that's one of the things that I, that I get a lot when, when, in terms of my small group. Um, I will invite people out, and I'll say, hey, man, you can ask any type of questions you want, anything at all. Because I've been there, man. I've been asking myself questions, and this, just come, just come at me. You know, I'll be happy to answer as much as I can. And they always say the same thing in the same kind of way. They always go, yeah, man, I got so many questions. Male, female, it doesn't matter. Man, yeah, I got questions, man. I got questions. I got questions. I got questions. You know? So it's a valid thing. It's a valid thing. Um, but uh, you're right in terms of that disconnect in terms of um, what that creates. Because you should be able to bring your kid or your teenager to church in the main sermon and have them be caught up. You know? No. Yeah. Okay, so I think we basically kind of hit that central point. We've, we've kind of nailed it, I think. Which <laughs> is that the problem is not so much Christians and video games. It's more of a generational divide and a problem of connecting these dots, which are not connected. <laughs> no, no. And, and I really don't think they, they want them to be connected. I really don't think so. I think that when you get to that age of retirement, you're like, look, I'm done. <laughs> I pay, I pay my dues, son. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you mean go out and do what now? Nah. I'm it's hot outside. New things. <laughs> right. So, you know, I've done my, I've been on my mission trips and everything, you know. I ain't going back. <laughs> no. Was, I've done that back in the day, man. I pay my dues. I don't know what, I don't know about you, but I pay my dues. But, they, but you know, but the church is full of old people now. It just is. Yeah. Well, so, obviously, we need to change this. Yeah. Okay. And well, that, we aren't offering any actual practical advice to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I will, though. I will, though. I'll have enough nerve to do this. Get yelled at or whatever. But at least get the, the you know, some kind of discernment going and everything. But, like, um, well, I really... Th- just think about it. <laughs> yeah, more just think about it. But I really think it should just go back to what was happening in Acts, which is, you know, meeting in each other's homes. And then that way... You're inviting someone into their home to share in food and fellowship and things like that, you know, and uh, just being a comfortable in an environment to where they're not going to feel that this is a church. No, this is my home. Come to my home. Let's talk about these things. Jesus made some very specific claims. One of the biggest ones saying that, hey, I'm God in the flesh. Maybe we should talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, um, but just invite people out to your home or and not so much saying that you know come to this church but saying you know having a building to where you know it's like it's not to be a church name it's be like come to this building we're gonna be here we're gonna be there we're gonna be whatever or we're gonna be going out and do these things but when someone says to me i'm a christian and then that way instead of saying you know we're christian but what church do you go to i go here well that you've automatically segregated yourself from the rest of us like you really have it's like well, I go, oh, I go to this church. Well, I go to this church. Well, this church is going to do their church stuff. And that church over there is going to do their church stuff. In terms of the institutional stuff. But if you're saying that brother, um, sister in Christ, you know, um, we're, come to my home. Or, you know, yeah, next week you can come to my home. Or whatever, you know, we're sharing each other. Or, hey, why don't you bring your group in with my group in with my group? And we can get some things done. Maybe we can pass out some food or some or some water to, to some people that need it or whatever, you know. Then that is a lot simpler to just be a family. Because Christ was saying this, is that 
you know, those who follow my commandments are my, are my, are my mother and my brother. So that means that, it's like, Zach, you are more my brother than my actual brother is, my blood brother is, if you're in Christ. You know? So, Jesus wasn't just talking a bunch of mess. He, he meant that. So, like, Zach, when I say that you're my brother, I really do mean that you are my brother. Yeah, you know? literally. And, yeah, yeah. It, it means that you are really my brother and that I should take care of you and help you out or words that I can or give you advice or just be that family member, you know, period. And the same thing for me, for me as well. So, um, when you have that barrier from a building torn down and you just have this the church being the church and people seeing the church being the church instead of having to delegate this committee and that committee and all that type of mess that goes on and everything you just go out and do stuff together as a body with ease then you know there's no competition between an institutional church and a one that's just out of your home you know now I think that everyone needs to be careful in terms of you know discernment and thinking that you know hey actually read the bible share with each other be humble in that yeah that pick helps. your elders you know but you know that helps that. actually read the book yeah yeah it does <laughs> <laughs> you know so but that's what i'm saying that i really think that it just needs to go back to having your core brothers and sisters that you know and just meeting and 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 doing those things together um and um and knowing who you're doing it for because if you're going to church and that's all that you're doing um what are you doing because you're not getting brownie points so what are you doing <laughs> i mean it can't be you can't be more safe than you already are so what are you doing <laughs> you know so, <laughs> i mean regardless whether or not is it is in your the the church building that you're going to or or people that need to meet on the street that you're going to need a some people to roll with you on that on that evangelism journey because that's our call is to do that is to make disciples so you're going to need your homies with you so you might as well want to stick together you might as well just go ahead and share each other's homes you might, you might as well do that <laughs> it's not hard it's not, this is not rocket science <laughs> no <laughs> you're making too much sense now stop <laughs> <laughs> alright I think we've kind of exhausted the topic as much as we possibly can I, I I think so. Yeah, I think we, so. I gotta stop recording before we say anything else. <laughs> I mean, you just kind of concluded it without me having to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we've nailed it. Excelsior. Sort of. <laughs> Although I don't even remember what our original subject was. We it was about that. Something. It was about that in gaming, I think. Yeah, I think it was. It had it had more to do yeah it had more to do with uh game in, gaming and encouragement yeah so, in the church and such and such yeah gaming encouragement and church so I'll figure out how to actually phrase this when I start editing it <laughs> 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 all right well I gotta wrap this up or else I'm never we're never gonna stop <laughs> can't stop won't stop it, it has to be a reasonable length <laughs> 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 all right well this has been Zachary Oliver and Justin Fox theology gaming sessions about encouragement video games in the church so justin say goodbye <laughs> goodbye go to the glaving and the hoiving and the no, but uh Wait, i do want to say that you're like a black Larry lewis <laughs> that's blurry that's that's blurry no, lewis that's... no 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 that's more that's more uh 
Oxfair. Deshaun Lewis. <laughs> Good night, urbanized name. Deshaun Lewis. <laughs> but I do want, <laughs> but just, to, just to put into encouragement, I do encourage everyone who wants to make something for God to make that thing, be smart about it, discern, take care of your family and everything, but have a purpose for you going to your job and things like that. Uh, in terms of work, it's not to get food because God's going to take care of you. It's to fund your ministry. Work is for funding your ministry. So I encourage you to fund your ministry. Do that well. And if you want to make something for God, do it. You know, if you're walking in the new man and you want to be righteous and you want God's will to be done, hey, the new man's perfect person to rely on to do that. So whatever it is you're wanting to make for Christ, you know, be bold, make that. And that's going to be a part of your worship. So just encourage that and... Uh, don't let anyone tell you to if you're going to believe in something believe in God believe in the new man he's created in you so believe in that and you'll be just fine (laughs) works for me I've already written probably a million words for theology gaming (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) alright well this is theology gaming signing off